0: You've got the upgraded life episode 43 in this episode. I'm going to bring you the one and only Nick Peterson. If you haven't heard of Nick Peterson, well, I'm going to fix that. Nick Peterson. When I ask him what he does, he says he collects smart people and you'll hear more about that in this episode. Hey, in this life, you have to make decisions, whether you're, you're just a person working a nine to five, or maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're a business owner, whatever it is, you have to make decisions. And Nick is going to tell us why you shouldn't make decisions based on what's worked in the past and based on what works on average. So if that's interesting to you, stay with us, buckle in. Let's go on a ride with me and Nick Peterson. Hello, thanks for tuning in to the Upgraded Life Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nick Sotello. The Upgraded Life is my personal project where I help people realize and reach their potential. I've been a professional helper for 20 years. Here's what I'm convinced of. The life that you have right now and the life that you want tomorrow is a product of your personal mindset, mission, and movement each episode of the Upgraded Life podcast is going to give you something that you can do as soon as the episode is over to upgrade your personal mindset. Your mindset informs your mission. Your mission tells you how to move every single day. And together, that is the upgraded life. Here we are with another episode of the Upgraded Life Podcast. I am super grateful, super excited to have my guest today, tonight. And it's the one and only Nick Peterson. And I just asked him what he tells people, what he does. And I loved his response. He says he collects smart people. So I hope I can be a little figure in that collection in his world. Um, Again, super grateful to have him here. He's written at least one book. I've got it here, bumpers, and hopefully we'll get into some of these con- concepts too. And I just read your email that you sent out uh, today about impact and when people say they want to have impact. So I've got some of those uh, ideas floating around in my head today as well. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for making time for me and the Upgraded Life podcast.
1: Yeah, man, I'm glad to be here. I know we've been connected for for a while and, and haven't had a chance to have as uh, as much conversation as I'd like. So what what a great time. Uh, now that it's recorded and everybody else can hear whatever whatever uh, madness goes on.
0: Absolutely. So you collect smart people.
1: Yep, that's how the big, game.
0: How big is your collection?
1: Um, way bigger than I probably deserve. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I say I collect smart people. I it's it's interesting because um, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, there, there's some there's some dimension to this. 100 percent selfish in the sense that um i want to be healthy i want to be wealthy i want to make good decisions i uh you know i want to live the good life that everybody uh claims they want to live and uh, i find the fastest way to do that is surround yourself with people mm-hmm. that um have a different perspective insight and i've done it before so always actively um you know, co- collect. I say collecting those people, but it's a process of, of just building relationships with, mm-hmm. with the people that have these, you know, these gifts, insights, skills, expertise, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff.
0: Yeah. So is, is that analogous to uh, you, you got to have people on your team? You got to structure your team. Is that same same kind of idea there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's um, there, This is my personal opinion. I think it, it's my personality. So everybody, you know one of the things in our world, because we have a lot of the same people is uh, every now and then I hear somebody say like, Oh, I want to be like, I want to have build my business like Nick and the other person typically says, no, you don't. (laughs) You know, like, I don't think you know what you're saying uh, because I I really lean into the, the weird, the weird things that make me, me, Mm -hmm. uh, which is what I try to help other people do. Uh, But for me, it's, it's, this like i haven't i'm intensely interested in things i don't understand and so i I go down rabbit holes and this will explain my whole entire trajectory if you look at like from the day that i opened my gym all the way till now i'm intensely interested in it and i want to figure it out and i'm always looking like i don't trust the internet and i'm always looking for like somebody knows this right like somebody has a phd or like five phds in this Mm -hmm. and, and knows something that that is not out there right and i'm always digging 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 and then when i find that person i lose interest uh because now well that person can just help me with it i don't have to learn anymore mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. and that's kind of been the process like i'm intensely interested in it because i don't understand it and i find somebody that does understand it and i move on because mm-hmm. like now i have the resource to help to i don't have to understand it anymore i just say uh, dan nicholson is a, is a mutual friend of ours I just say, hey Dan, what do I do here? Okay, thanks. (laughs) I don't have to understand it anymore. Right. Um, So that that's the it's it's very similar to building a team, Um, and then I just go down these rabbit holes and I try to find these resources. And then once I find the resource, oh, you already know how to do this? Cool. I don't have to learn it. Right. What's next? That's all my uh, my companies, my partnerships, the businesses that I have have just been some Mm -hmm. version of of that process.
0: Sure. So for somebody else that has the same idea about collecting people, what is it that you do that they can say, cool, I don't need to worry about that anymore because Nick Peterson has it. What's that thing?
1: Um, mostly get them out of their own way. Hmm. So what I've done, what I've done is I'll tell you how it came to be. Cause I, I think it's really useful to anybody that it wants to uh, have a good partnership with somebody, right? Um, you can create these, you can create these win-win-wins where it's a win for me, it's a win for you, and it's a win for the longevity of this relationship if you understand a, a few of these things, right? Um, <clears throat> the first is people that are really intelligent. So I'm, I'm talking about, you know, uh, one of my best friends got his PhD in metabolic chemistry when he was 24. They have a very hard time connecting to regular people like mass market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a big pain point for a lot of them because they've they've invented something, they've innovated, they 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 have the solution. Like there's people that have like three PhDs and they know how to help you, but they don't know how to talk to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just realized way back when I had my gym and uh, I met Dr. Cashy, Trevor, um, at first it was like, this guy is so much smarter than me. Why is he like, why does he spend so much time with me? you know? And I realized it's because I take the the information that he has and I make it a little more palatable for regular people Mm -hmm. and I give him credit. Mm -hmm. And like, once I realized like, whoa, that makes me really valuable to him. As long as I maintain the integrity, I give Mm -hmm. him credit for his intellectual property and, you know, pull out more of it, distill it down, give him credit. And it just kind of snowballed into what is, I want to say it's a $6 million company now. Um, which is Trevor cash and nutrition. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: And I found that I can rinse and repeat that and can say, Hey, look, experts doc. uh, A lot of my partners are uh, uh, Dan Nicholson's a CPA. He's brilliant. Uh, Dr. Jeff Spencer, uh, Dr. Gabriel Lyon. You you notice there's a lot of doctors. Sure. And as long as I can take what they have and the the side benefit is I'm learning a lot of really cool stuff. Mm -hmm. As long as I can take what they have, distill it down and make it more palatable for a mass market, and then turn around and give them credit mm-hmm. in, in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Um, these people that are often otherwise untouchable in terms of like regular humans don't get to hang out with Dr. Jeff Spencer, you know. But as long as I contribute in that way, that that's me, given my skill set and what I do, and everybody has their own in, in way to contribute, right? But as long as I'm doing that, as, long as I'm saying, oh, okay. I understand what you're saying. How can I make this make sense to like regular people sure. and then pass the, the credit and the authority back to this person? Um, what happens is I'm insanely valuable to them. They're insanely valuable to me because I'm learning like it's incredible how much uh, information I have access to um, and always growing an audience. There's always an audience that is like, well, if we don't know what to do, I bet Nick knows the person. Mhm. And that, that's how it works for me. That's how I've continued to grow. Um, so people become either clients of mine, I help them with this, or sometimes they become partners or sometimes just do it because. Uh, but that's the, that is my process of sure. collecting smart people. And that is um, how I, I try to make sure that I'm, in their mind, I'm way over delivering. Like I'm giving them something they otherwise could never find. They've looked for years. Mm-hmm they thought it'd be impossible to connect with mass market and I'm helping them do that. On the flip side is uh, I'm learning stuff that otherwise I would never have access to. Sure, no, so It's I win for that. me, yeah. it's win for them, it's a win for the system as a whole.
0: Right. That's that win, win, win. I like the, the longevity piece of it uh, mm-hmm. as the third win. Yeah. I don't know how true it is, but somewhere along the line, I, I ran across this idea that, um, you know, you um, know, John Madden at one point in time was regarded as the, the third most popular public speaker in, in, in the world. And then somebody asked him what his uh, secret was. I don't know if you've heard this story before, but his response was, I, I never say anything that a third grader couldn't understand. And I thought that was, that was pretty, uh, you know, amazing, simple, right? Simple, simple often is the, is the way, but people overlook it, dismiss it because it's too simple.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, it's in the book, right? The base knowledge disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are really really good at what they do, like they've done it for thirty years, um, they they have all the technical knowledge, maybe multiple degrees. Uh, when they distill something down to what they think is like the simplest form, it is still so far above like a regular person, and, and that's really hard to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true. That's why I get no. No judgment. I don't know what everybody likes or doesn't like, but you think like Doctor Phil. Mm-hmm. How's
0: right?
1: that working? Most. What's that?
0: How's that working for you?
1: Most. What's that?
0: That's his. That's his famous line, Doctor. Oh. Yes. Yeah, see
1: I don't even know because <laughs> I, I refuse to pay attention to him. But yeah, most doctors, uh, like I have a private doctor. She's brilliant. Like they can't stand the fact that people listen to that guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But they listen to him because he's easy to understand. Mm-hmm. And that that's, um, again, that that's how I approach it. But if you can bridge that gap, it opens up all kinds of potential relationships, connections, um, knowledge, just sources of knowledge. Mm-hmm. But everybody has their own kind of their own disposition and their own skill set. And, and, uh, even if you're not like me, if you're not interested in what I'm interested in, I could tell you there, there's always a way to build that win, 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 um, just got to sit back and think about it yeah. a little bit. So, so your superpower,
0: like you said, is to help people get out of their own way and it's, it's to help people be able to communicate, you know, w- what it is that they're trying to do in a way that most people can ex- uh, access it, do something with it.
1: Yeah. that's not my power, but that is the tool that I use. Okay. Uh, I've, I've that is when I look at the win-win-win situation I think that's where again selfishly I, I'm at no point am I going to pretend like it's not a selfish endeavor like we should all be trying to take care of ourselves um, selfishly that is where I have the most power influence and ability to to help you know create the win-win-win help help my audience by mm-hmm. distilling this down help the experts by distilling it down and help myself by being the center of it mm-hmm. um, so that's what I work the hardest on um I think my superpower is, and this just came to light like recently. Talking to uh, certain people, um, I, for whatever reason, can process an enormous amount of data on multiple dimensions mm-hmm. and see it clearly. Mm-hmm. What I've been working on is having a conversation. Let's have a conversation with you, right? Trying to identify where you're at, so I can start there and help paint the picture that I that I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the other thing I'm working on really hard is that and distilling you know complicated things down. Um, but I think what I do best is is get kind of multiple companies, multiple offers, multiple personalities and just understand all the dimensions of it and, and I can see it clearly um, the trick is then helping everybody else understand where they fit and what to do and all that stuff mm-hmm.
0: So when people, when people are accessing you and you know, you, and your thought is you got to help them get out of their own way, you know, what are some of the bigger, biggest barriers to that? Like what keeps people in there? Yeah. Own way?
1: So I will, I'll tell you the people I like working with the most, uh, cause they're, they're, it really depends on where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I know where you came from, I probably have a decent idea of what's getting in your way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's generally some preconceived. Somebody told them this is the way things have to be done and they just never questioned it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're like, Oh, you know, I come from uh, uh, this particular coaching program, I probably know what's getting in your way. Um, (laughs) But generally speaking, it's, it's the fact that my, my best people have adopted a paradigm because they got a PhD or they're a doctor or they, they're they so locked into one thing and they get so deep into that one thing that they kind of outside of certain contexts, they forget where it fits in the world, mm-hmm. right? So people will be like, yeah, well, you know, I could do this, 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 all these ideas I say, hey, why don't you just charge somebody $5,000 to get on the phone with you? and because they've been so in their world and focused on what they're focused on they're like nobody will pay $5,000 to talk to me you know and it's just it's little things like that like just mm-hmm. hey let's just find the low hanging fruit let's get the evidence you've made all these assumptions nobody will pay you $5,000 to mm-hmm. talk to you cool let's test that assumption oh hey look here's 30 people that want to pay $5,000 to talk to you right so it's just they've made a series of assumptions based on the paradigm that they've adopted Scientists have spent all their time with other scientists. So uh, bakers, people that bake mm-hmm. freaking cookies all day long, spend time with people that bake cookies all day long. So based on the like their their inputs and their environment, nobody would pay me to teach them how to bake. But that's because you hang out with people that already know how. Mm-hmm. Right. So we just get stuck in our our own little world, our own little paradigm, and we hang out with people that share the paradigm. And if you're really good at building funnels, you're not going to pay somebody twenty thousand dollars to build a funnel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But you go to a multi-million dollar company who is just dying to get paid traffic working, they'll pay you 20 grand to build a funnel. Sure. It's just, that, that's most people that's where they get stuck, is they they hang out with their people who share the same values, same language, um, same paradigms, and they forget what the rest of the world values. Hmm. That, that's the, that's probably the biggest way is uh, doctors are trying to impress other doctors. Um, yeah. Personal trainers are trying to impress other personal trainers, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. And uh, it's, they're just getting in their own way trying to kind of market and sell to their own, like to themselves. Sure. Um,
0: I'm one of those doctors. I have, a, I have a PhD in counseling and, you know, 20 years experience in the mental health field. And actually it was you, I actually um, <laughs> was able to ask you a question on a live QA that you were doing uh, in coach launch. And you took my question and um, my question was me personally, I'm have some expertise in a lot of different areas. And so that's kind of what was stalling me out. And you told me to, to go where um, I'm currently have the most traction. Uh, where I was most successful financially. He Mm -hmm. told me focus there and then pivot later. And um, so I did that and I thought more about what that was. And the reason why I'm getting to this is um, what I had at the time, the most traction with was helping uh, counselors who were trying to build private practice, do it with cash paying clients. Cause that's a belief system, a belief system amongst especially new counselors. They don't believe that they can build a whole practice um, on cash-paying clients, and I'm proof that you can. I've done it, you know, about ten times with people that have worked underneath me, and. But the part where you were just saying is a lot of it is how they market and how they present themselves. They're trying their their language and how they structure what they say is to impress other counselors. But yep. other counselors aren't their clients. And that can be a big twist to try to get them to think differently ab- about that. I mean, um, these people really don't care about your degrees and your there's and your certifications. They they really don't. And that can be a struggle to to get them to to kind of think otherwise because they are they're they're desperately trying to impress their old professors. You know, the person that's sharing an office with them and. Uh, the person who's struggling and needs help. They really don't care what school you went to and and what type of degree you have. They want to know, can you help me, and will this work?
1: Yep, that that's the that that's the biggest struggle I think with with uh, technicians and owning a business. Obviously, marketers and salespeople don't struggle with that. What they struggle with is like actually delivering a, something worth delivering. <laughs> um, but but I also, if we talk about, oh, I'll go one step further. If you're okay with that, yeah. In um, the non-business, so so I, I actually again, um, business development is not really where my head lives. Mm-hmm. That's how I communicate things mm-hmm. because frankly, it's all the same thing. I was talking to somebody the other day. So how do you do all this different stuff? It's it's the same basic principles. Um, but if you have help solve somebody's like body image issues, that's great. It feels good. Um, use the same principles to solve somebody's business issues. Guess what? You get paid more for the latter, so mm. I, I frame things in the context of business, and th- those are my clients. But th- as a human, I think the way we get in our own way the most often is not testing or assu- not recognizing the assumptions we're making. A whole bunch of people you just talk to like you just talk to people and from a thirty thousand foot, view you say, "Hey, why don't you just do this?" You know, like, well, if you don't like doing that thing, just stop doing it. Well, I can't. Why the hell not? (laughs) Have you ever tried to not do it? Right. Like there's these imaginary boundaries and walls and rules that Mm -hmm. just exist for whatever reason. Um, And so what I'm really good at, both business and personal, and, and what I'm always trying to help people do with my daily emails and stuff is encourage you to, to, Hey, test this boundary right? But also give some certainty and some comfort and then like, don't worry, you're protected. Mm-hmm. So let's do this to protect the bottom, right? Just to make sure, but then try this. What's the worst that could happen? And so it's always like, instead of going, uh, Hey, we'll just don't show up for work, you know? And like, that's a big risk. Yeah. It's it's creating like uh a level of understanding and like, we're going to hedge against the downside. We're going to make sure you're okay. And then we're going to take a little tiny micro step to test that assumption. Sure. Um, and uh, what happens when people feel safe is though they'll, they'll take a little bit of a, they'll step a little bit outside their comfort zone. Um, and oftentimes you just, those little micro steps, you start finding out that none of these boundaries or walls or rules actually existed. Mm-hmm. And none of those things you thought could possibly happen actually happen. Sure. Um, and so that, that's, that's how people get in their own way. It's just these, um, imaginary rules and boundaries. Um, the fear of being told no, sure. You know, like people don't like being, they rather just not ask and never find out. And the reality is like, you just be okay with asking and hearing no, that's, uh, we're not, I don't think we're taught. Which makes sense like the school system and um the way all that works we're never really taught how to um we're never really taught how to test or challenge uh the rules and assumptions mm-hmm. and that's that's a lot of a lot of what we're always what i'm always trying to do for people And what we're always trying to do as, as my company is uh totally get you you this is what you believe and this is what you think is going to happen. Is there a way that we can make you feel really, really safe in testing that? Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It's almost like that meme. It's that meme, right? Where it's that here's the comfort zone and out here is where the magic happens. You got to take the little micro steps to get out there.
1: Yeah. And, and um, so I'll, I'll give you an interesting anecdote about that, that that used to be like, that used to be kind of my, uh, position, right? It was like I would always say stuff like that and share stuff like that. Um, and I don't do that anymore because I, I found that some people use it as an excuse to just act like idiots,
0: right? Do, do dumb things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what? You're supposed to, uh, you know, be uncomfortable and like, yeah, but like with some reason and logic, right? Like there's got to be some reason and logic behind what we're doing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's it's exactly like that. I don't share that stuff anymore because people use it as an excuse to just do dumb shit. (laughs) Um,
0: But yeah, and the way you just explained it, right? I mean, before you take those micro steps or do something that's going to be challenging your paradigm, you've set up some system of security or safety so that way you can afford to take some of these steps. Is 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 that what I'm hearing the difference is?
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it. And there's just this... There's this bit of, and I, we don't need to go too now, far down this rabbit hole because I'll rant about this for hours. Um, there's like a survivorship bias, mm-hmm. right? Where here, here's there's a quadrant, and again, I think in shapes. So if you ever watch my trainings, you're gonna see triangles and squares, and because um, I just I'm trying to draw what I what I see. There's there's a quadrant, and the four the four quadrants right are good decision. Good outcome, good decision, poor outcome, poor decision, good outcome, Mm -hmm. poor decision, poor outcome. Mm -hmm. Now, the risk is somebody makes a poor decision based on the reason, the logic, the data, and for whatever reason, luck, um, they have a good outcome. Right. Right. A good example burn the boats. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that only really worked for that one situation. Uh, but there's all those other situations where everybody died. Yes. Right. So yes. poor decision with a good outcome. The risk is people like that. They don't realize it was a poor decision Perfect. because it was a good outcome. Yeah. We all look at them and think they're geniuses for making this crazy decision that worked out. And they start saying, got to go outside your comfort zone, bro. Right. right? Um, There's a survivorship bias. that. Here's the other risk. There's two quadrants that are really, really dangerous. When somebody makes a good decision, has a good outcome, we go, yeah, no shit. Right? Poor decision, poor outcome. Well, duh. The two dangerous ones are a poor decision with a good outcome. Very, very dangerous because then we think they're geniuses and we copy them and we all die, but nobody knows because survivorship bias. The other one is when you make a good decision based on the lo- the logic, the reasoning, uh, all, all the things we could measure, we can make a good decision, the perfectly appropriate decision. And then two days later, COVID hits. And so the outcome is poor and we look stupid, mm-hmm. right? So we start rewarding bad decisions and punishing good ones. Mm-hmm. So- the reason that comes up is when we talk about, you know, go outside your comfort zone, we need to look beyond even just the outcome. We really need to look at the reasoning and the logic that went into pushing that direction out of your right. comfort zone. Right? right. Does does this make sense given the, given the historical data, the preponderance of data um, and that that's, what's missing in those, those memes? which exactly. I totally like my brain processed that way. So I'm like, yep, that's correct. Uh, so what came so to my mind that, with
0: the, uh, the, uh, poor decision, good outcome is, is is you know in, in youth basketball it's that kid that you know comes barreling down the court and hucks up the three and makes it and as a coach you're like oh because <laughs> what's going to happen next
1: <laughs>
0: he's going to huck up another all the three time. right and another three and another three
1: <laughs> it it's just like uh it's it's dangerous and it's it's tough because we look at uh we can look at any of these again burn the boats right. People say that all the time. You want to take the island, burn the boats. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but if you don't take the island, you and your whole team dies. And like, you know, um, but it becomes, it just becomes really, really dangerous when we start matching up um, these concepts and ideas. Like you got to spend money to make money. You got to be willing to take risk. Like, wait, let's think about this first. Right. Um, So that's the other thing going back to people getting their own way is, deep down they know man it's really high risk i got a lot of good options right now and everybody's telling me burn the boats pick one thing focus on that screw everything else and like that's just it creates dissonance because deep down the smart people know that's probably not the best path forward especially if i have a family to feed and stuff like i probably shouldn't burn the boats and you know try to take the highland and if i if i fail that everybody starves um so there's just a lot of this like this, this is why people get in their own way. Uh, Dunning-Kruger, you know, there's a little bit of that where like these really brilliant people are like, man, growing a business is hard. Because guess what? Growing a business is really hard. And you got total idiots on the other side go, nah, it's super easy, right? And the smart people are like, well, I must be an idiot. And now we got smart people thinking they're dumb and dumb people thinking they're smart. And again, <clears throat> it just causes a whole bunch of people to to get in their way because the smart people, and I'm using this term very vague, but the people that if they just kind of did what their gut told them to do because they know how to take evidence and and adjust their behavior, they'd be just fine. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously the internet just um, (laughs) amplifies all of that. Sure. Three easy steps. Yeah. And it's like, that just doesn't exist. And deep down, you know, you got a PhD in chemistry and a doctorate in this thing and you're, you know, you've, you've built your business to a million dollars, like deep down, you know, there's not a three-step process, but you still want to buy it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then you go in there and then you really want to believe it. Even though, you know, these guys teaching you are total idiots, you, you you know, and like now we're in our own way. Sure. Because we're, we're trying to buy into something we know fundamentally can't be true. Hmm like, so then what do you do? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's true in all, you know, in fitness, business, it's across the board. Like I said, same thing over and over.
0: You know, another concept that I heard you uh, talk about in one of your lives a while ago that I've actually have used so many times, it made so much sense to me, was the bell curve and how so much of our world is driven around what works for you know one standard deviation in either direction of the average. That's what we get told. You know this is what we need mm-hmm. to do. This is how it works. But we don't spend near enough time uh, assessing how we as individuals actually match the average. But yet we follow what's supposed to work on the average. I mean, I would in again. I've had lots of stats classes right I used to teach stats and but when you when you communicated that to me I was like, oh my gosh you know what I mean and so uh,
1: see that's what I work on I work on taking this stuff just kind of an anecdote but it's it's funny that I have a following at all because I just say things you already know mm-hmm. I don't put anything new in front of anybody like right. I just do my best to put it in front of you in a way that you go oh shit that's what that means because um, I knew it. And so that, that that's really interesting to me. It's also validation that you don't actually have to create new stuff in order to be helpful. Um, right. But yeah, that that's the the average has mm-hmm. nothing there. There's Dan Nicholson. I got this from Dan Nicholson. Uh, group indexing versus individual indexing. Mm-hmm. Group index. The average means nothing. It means absolutely nothing to the individual. Right. So like the average uh, Caucasian male is five foot nine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It would not be good for any of us. Like five foot nine, 170 pounds, right? If they only made clothes for men that were five foot nine, 170 right. pounds, right. <laughs> we would all be naked. Right. A majority of us would not have clothes, even though that's average. Mm-hmm. And that's like the um, another example I used one time is like if you have, a, let's say you're planning a birthday party and the average age of the kids is 11. Cool. You plan a party for an 11 year old, half of them are one right the other half are whatever 20 or whatever the math works out yeah. nobody's going to enjoy that fucking party even though the average age is 11 nobody's going to enjoy it and that that's what what trips me out when people throw out statistics and like well on average you know people make this much money or right. like what does nothing to do with you mm-hmm. um and so we got to start looking at us personally and the trend like, I don't care if your blood pressure is above the average, right? Man, your age, like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Is it higher than it was last time you got it checked? Mm-hmm. Like, that's important mm-hmm. for you. Is your blood pressure higher than it was before? Go back another, you know, another 12 weeks. What's the trend? But the average man, your height, weight, like the, what the hell does that have to do with you?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's the... uh we That's trick, so
0: much man. of the stuff that gets pushed at us is all about uh, expert advice based on the average. So um, my blood pressure is high uh, compared to the average. And if I hadn't had done my own kind of digging into research on it, then I would be apt to take the, you know, take this blood pressure medication, which, <clears throat> oh, by the way, is going to kill your thyroid in a matter of years. And then you're going to have, yep. have a whole nother host of problems.
1: Well, the risk is, and, and hopefully hopefully, I think your listeners are probably smart because they're listening to you. <laughs> the risk is, okay, look, um, your cholesterol, we'll use cholesterol. So it's not so personal. Uh, your cholesterol is high, right? It's, it's, a, it's outside of healthy range. We need to change your behavior. You, you do all this stuff, right? The truth is if your cholesterol maybe twelve weeks ago was even higher than it is now, and twelve weeks before that it was even higher, you're actually trending down. Right. The worst thing you could do is change your behavior. There's right. nothing worse you could do than stop this trend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm above average, so I got to make all these changes. And uh, but you you didn't. You were on track to actually actually at this trend in twelve weeks you would have been right back into a healthy range. Sure. But we didn't look at you compared to you. We looked at you compared to a bunch of random ass people and made a really bad decision. Yes. Yeah. And when,
0: and what I discovered and I, you know, it's fine to make it personal. I'm I'm an open book with my life. Um, I bought my own blood pressure cuff and I started, I started taking um, my measurements uh, throughout the day, right, right before I go to bed, right after I get up during the day. And so I could actually get, you know, a better read on what my blood pressure actually was, but long story short, what I ultimately realized is I naturally hold my breath pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. So like even sitting here, I'll, I'll be holding my breath. I don't have what maybe is normal, whatever that is, right. We're taking so many breaths in and out, you know, and when I go in to get my blood pressure tested um, because of that breath holding that's normal for me, it automatically will spike my, my blood pressure. So now, and I've done it cause I've tested it. Now, when I go in to get the uh, blood pressure te- tested uh, in a medical visit, if, when I do some breathing, as I'm driving to the office and I'm sitting and waiting, my blood pressure is normal.
1: Yep. <laughs> and that's, that's uh typical, yeah. right? I say typical. So you, so you feel like yeah. you fit in. Yeah. Um, that's typical but so now we think about fitness we think about maybe relationship counseling we think about business and it's little things like that right you got all this advice do this do that this is high this is low and nobody ever said like well do you breathe right do you hold your breath like do yeah like the those are the things that um that, that's again you go back to people getting their own way is they're looking at group indexing mm-hmm. They're worried about being typical or average or all that stuff. Um, When we really need to look at what's the trend, first of all, and then what are our behaviors? like? Are we breathing like normal freaking people? Um, And none of that happens if you just keep grouping statistics together, trying to somehow fit in there. Mm -hmm. Because you you get uh, nutrition is a great example. Let's say we're both six feet tall, 220 pounds, right? And you maintain at 2,000 calories and I maintain at 4,000 calories, Mm. right? So on average, we maintain at 3,000 calories. (laughs) Right. Now, if you go to 3,000 calories, you're going to gain a whole bunch of weight really quick and I'm going to starve to death and want to kill myself. Uh, but that's what people do when they start a diet. They plug in their numbers. And they go, "Somebody my height, my weight should eat on average this much." When reality, it probably is not the amount of food anybody or size, shape, gender, weight should eat. It's just somewhere in between everybody's freaking. Um, and that that's the, you know, our clients on average get this kind of ROI. It doesn't mean anything to to the individual. Absolutely. So Our clients close 70% of sales on average. That honestly means absolutely nothing to each one of us. Yeah.
0: So is there a place for group indexing? Does it have value?
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too, um, too there's, also, there's also the range, mm-hmm. right? So like we could, uh, there's also the range to consider. Yeah. Um, which is a whole nother, you know, life expectancy, drug, you know, drug trials, stuff like that. But where group indexing might be um, useful is, so we sat down one time, this is this is the kind of friends I have, and they came out with a new, um, they came out with the new FDA food guidelines, which nobody likes, right? First it was the pyramid, now it's the plate and everybody complains. But we actually sat down and read every piece of research that they used to come up with those guidelines. It was like, you know, eight inches thick um, that Trevor found it, like printed off from a library or something. And you realize when you have the job of trying to, now remember we got people below the poverty line. We have people at the poverty line. We have all, we have people that are literate. We have people that are illiterate. um, We're, we're trying to keep all of these people alive. Like what is the, what is the highest probability we have of keeping these people alive? Now, of course, first world country, we can spend money on stuff. We think everybody should eat steak and potatoes and (laughs) organic food, but that's not realistic for like 90% of the population. Right. So when you're tasked with, how can we possibly give some sort of guideline that gives us the best chance of keeping everybody alive in a way that is feasible and not running out of resources because if everybody ate like me, right. I eat like 260 grams of protein and like it takes 33 calories of uh, grass, I think to create one calorie of beef. So if everybody ate like me, we'd be out of resources. Like if the whole world ate like me, we'd be out of resources in like four days. Right. So like we also have to think about the sustainability. So when you're tasked with something like that, the result is a group indexing of like, if we all just kind of follow this, we have a pretty strong chance of staying alive and also not running out of resources. Mm-hmm. Right? So if that's an appropriate use of group indexing, mm-hmm. there's going to be the people up here that choose to do you know more custom. Hey, I'm going to pay extra to get a custom nutritionist that does individual indexing for me, and that's fine. But for the people that can't afford individual indexing type stuff, the people that don't have health insurance, the people that, um, it's just, it's a guideline. Mm -hmm. I think group indexing is a fair guideline for the people that don't have. Again, there's a lot of people that are illiterate and we can't just say, "Mm, you can't figure out how to individual index. So I guess you just die, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very good. I think it's a good tool for people that don't have the means capacity Or resources to get that individual indexing right or if we're trying to keep a whole entire population alive because um, not everybody's going to get their own custom nutrition plan and frankly i like food you're going to be it's gonna be hard you're gonna be hard pressed to convince me to eat less you know just so like the human species can have an extra six years on the planet earth <laughs> like so it's like we, we can't we can't individually index for um, like longevity, mm. right? Like uh, we just can't, we can't all eat optimally. We'd be out of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, there, there's a line there. I think it's more, in my opinion, more of a guide. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. So kind of an, an analogous thing in my world is, you know, in the mental health world, we we are constantly being held to a standard of what's evidence based right? If you're gonna do this or that, you need to make sure that it needs to have evidence for it. And so what I heard you just say in terms of you know the food guidelines, here's the guidelines for these two purposes, which is um, sustainability and keeping people minimally alive. That, that's that's the that's the purpose for this. Well, you know, as an individual, maybe you want more than just, you know, like I said, to be minimally alive in, in my world, what I would train students is whenever somebody says what's the evidence or this is the evidence for this, it's evidence for who. And evidence for what? I mean, th- those are the questions that you need to, to ask. Because if you don't answer those questions, this ev- like you said, this evidence may ha- have nothing to do with your population or what you're actually trying to do in the work that you're doing. So when somebody says, hey, this works, there's evidence for it. Well, that may not mean anything actually to, to what it is that you're up against.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and that's there's just there's this understanding that, look, we're on Zoom right now right? It's night. I got a light on, like we're in a first world country. Life's pretty good. We can sit, we can read stuff and complain that it it's could be better, right? Like this food pyramid is crap. Grains are bad. This is bad. Like right. let, let's not forget that we're sitting here with the internet and we know how to read. And there's a large portion of the population that does not have the internet right now. And even if they do, they may not know how to read. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, there's just like, there has to be tools for them
0: mm-hmm.
1: to kind of navigate because they're not going to weigh their food. They're not, they don't care. They can't afford organic. They don't even, the concept doesn't even cross their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important that we lose, we kind of lose perspective of the purpose of these things because we think in terms of optimal, right? And I, I, th- I have a bunch of doctors that are clients and they say all the time, I have a few that are private cash only. they charge a premium to optimize your performance. But most doctors, they straight up say like, I'm trained in keeping you alive, mm-hmm. not optimizing your mm-hmm. performance or, or optimizing your health or energy. Like, so group indexing, it's a pretty good way to get a whole bunch of people in and out mm-hmm. and have a range. Oh, hey, uh, red flag, right? Check on this person. Uh, their BMI is high. Uh, their cholesterol, like it's, it's a great way to recognize when something is like outside of range sure. to explore it further. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we just can't optimize each individual. Sure,
0: And that really explains why there's such a, a clamp on moving from your general practitioner in order to get to a specialist, right? Because you're moving outside of group indexing to somebody who can do individual indexing. I, you know, at least that's the way I I, I see it now. Yep. And there's gotta Talking be a to, I, again to, to send I'm you. I'm fortunate
1: there. to talk to a lot of medical doctors and, especially when, when the whole insurance thing like Obamacare and like all this insurance and everyone's trying, trying to navigate. Am I getting to paid? Am I not getting paid? Like, and so I got a lot of that venting and um, you just realized that like, look, your doctor might give you some super generic advice and like not, you might not feel like it's super helpful. Imagine being that doctor. And this is, this is where I, I developed a little more empathy for them. It's like, imagine being that doctor. And due to insurance or otherwise you're cranking out you have to see like one patient every 15 minutes to even make to even keep the lights on right like again group indexing is the only tool you have to try to kind of get a handle on what's going on mm-hmm. um you got your basic hey blood pressure temperature you know okay cool you're within range next right <laughs> because they're not optimizing your performance, they're just trying to make sure you're not about to die. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's really Mm -hmm. um that that's where group indexing is is useful, I think, is it's an indicator um to find, you know, the people that are about to blow themselves up or Mm way outside of range and and get them out. I'll tell you I have a doctor and one, Mm -hmm. it's expensive. Two went in and I got 22 vials of blood drawn. I had to send stool and urine and dried urine where you like pee on the thing and then you let it dry and then you send it in to test your adrenals. Um, like that's, that's what individual indexing takes. Most people will never do all of that, you know? So again, we, we just go back to group indexing being the best tool we have. And the, the ones that are willing can, can choose to do better. Mm-hmm. themselves as as individuals Mm -hmm. yeah it's a
0: fascinating uh discussion
1: there
0: people need to consider interesting stuff this is why people when it comes to major decisions whether it's health or financial or whatever it is that is a question that they need to ask is is this a group indexing you know piece of advice or consultation that i'm receiving and if it is uh do I match the average? Am, am I average?
1: Yep. I can tell you the most powerful words that you want to hear. Totally self-serving because it's what I say all the time. It depends. Yeah. Right. If you say, Hey, I really want to grow my business to get more free time back. And they say, you need a webinar. I would just bail because that's, super myopic and group indexing and all the survivorship bias, all this stuff, mm-hmm. ton of biases there. Um, Hey, I have a stomach ache. What should I do? And your doctor says, Hey, take this mm-hmm. prescription. I would bail mm-hmm. because the question should be, it depends, mm-hmm. right? Let's sit down and talk about where you are, where you've been, what you want, how it feels. the trend. Yeah. Like what's the trend? Do you have a test for this? Let's get a test. Like, nobody should be able to give you any advice until they have compiled a shit ton of data. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are getting advice without a bunch of data being compiled, just understand it's probably not optimal for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. It's fine. I mean, not everybody can afford it. Not everybody wants to take the time. Sure, But we, we do have to know that um, we're, we're, being, yeah. we're being grouped. <laughs> so... In in the
0: addiction treatment world, there's a stat that says, and I'm just rolling with this group indexing concept because I think it applies to so many different areas. But in, in the addiction treatment field, we talk about how it usually takes five uh, attempts uh, for somebody to really kick whatever it is that they're, that they're trying to kick. And you know, I'm looking at that stat, and and I'm in in your world, you might see this, you know, in fitness and trying to lose weight. But so you know, attempt one, maybe I went to and did this program, right? Attempt two, and it didn't work, right? And attempt two was I went and saw this person and it didn't work. And attempt three is I started going to this church and it didn't work. But whatever the fifth thing is that worked, right? Then that's what the person will run with and say, this is the only thing that works. These other four Mm -hmm. things are terrible when it was probably just, you know they were at their fifth time right and yep. so you could shake up the order of any of those things and it whatever ended up being the fifth thing was the thing that worked for
1: you um so the the risk right and that, that makes sense that that's what people miss right the risk is these are the conversations that uh, i like to have so you can cut me off whenever but it's now if you say that I believe that to be true. That makes perfect sense to me. It's actually because it, you know, it's the fifth time and that's, that's normal. It's typical, but sometimes it'll be the fourth and sometimes it'll be the sixth, right? Rare occasion. It'll be the first, right? Right. And so if we tell people, right. Doctors and, and patients alike, it's going to be, you know, it's going to take your fifth time. Um, They will sabotage the first mm-hmm. and the second and third and the fourth to get to the fifth. Yep. Right. And so it's, this is, this is the problem with averages. is like, People take them as prescriptive and don't know how to navigate mm-hmm. them. Um, but the reality is, we can't say, and I, 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 I see what you're saying and I agree with it, but we can't say, okay, you've tried four times, the fifth time, 100% right. certainty it's going to work. Absolutely. Right? right. So the average has nothing to do with the probability, which also blows people's minds. Like, because mm-hmm. average and probability, they, they feel very similar. Mm hmm. But the reality is, the average person succeeds on the fifth time. But on the fourth time, I cannot give you any kind of of guarantee or certainty that the fifth time will work. sometimes it takes like six or seven or eight. Right. And this is where people start meshing averages and probability, and they think that, you know, average means probability, and they start like they just get all wonked out about. Sure. Um, which it totally makes sense. Like that's really difficult stuff to navigate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in addiction treatment, there's so now, especially in, in the U S there's so much um, morality hooked to it. Right. And so when people fail the first time, it's just, oh, you didn't take it serious. And mm-hmm. you know, you weren't, you weren't really trying and how could you do this? Well, I mean, it just, it seldom happens on the first time. Sometimes it does. Right. And
1: uh, yeah. this yeah, Addiction is uh, a lot of my, uh, a lot of my time. Um, a lot of my background is cognitive behavior therapy. Okay. Um, obviously, um, uh, amateur, no professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I do is I I say things in a way that get the people to actually change their behavior mm-hmm. and think it's their own idea. Um, and that comes from working with people that have disordered eating patterns, right. Which is very, it's, it's right along the lines of, yep. of addictive, uh, yep. addictive personalities. And, um, it's just, it's, that that's the kind of world, in my opinion, where statistics and uh, averages and probabilities do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to, as like a professional, to know them, but putting them out publicly, uh, there's already so much guilt and shame around addiction or disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So if we say, hey, on average, the fifth time works, and they fail on the fifth time, like potential for just disastrous doom loop. Right. So it's, it's, it's always interesting um, to just navigating because people want information.
0: Yeah. People want answers. They want, they want, they want it to, they want to work. It's, it's our, I think John Maxwell called it our, um, our, our microwave society, right? We, we, we want everything to be able to peel the wrapper off, put it in the microwave in two minutes, be have it be ready to go, (laughs) you know? And,
1: Mm -hmm. and of course, of course, the, the world we live in, I, I I choose to live in a different world, but the, the world we live in, well, you don't have an answer, you, you must be an idiot, right? Because that guy has an answer when in reality is, Dunning-Kruger, that guy's an idiot for having an answer yeah. because a real expert is going to say, I don't have an answer. And so that, that's just, again, that causes people to get in their own way. Um, because they can't give an answer. It's not ethical to give an answer when there is no answer to be given, but some idiot over there is willing to give an answer. Um, we call those internet marketers. Um, they always have the answer. They always have it's an always answer. It's always a beautifully steps. simplistic one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so th- th- those are just all the things that um, going all the way back to what do I do? This is what I do all day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, different fields, different domains different, but this is what I do all day is I just sort through this and try to see, okay, I see what's going on. Like, these are the biases. This is the beliefs. These are the biases, beliefs your people have. And then can, can I meet you in a place and help you paint the picture that I see so that you can navigate it and have the highest probability of getting, getting what you want out of yeah, absolutely. all the stuff you're doing?
0: Yeah. You're explaining why, again, in my Professional world, I reject. Um, we have these treatment planner books that are pretty popular. And so, counselors and counseling students will buy them, and you can look up a disorder, and it'll already have, you know, like 20 different treatment goals already set up for you. And people, people think they're a godsend. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: when I got a chance to teach this class, uh, I would tell the students, You don't need to buy that book because I had to inherit a syllabus at this point in time. Don't buy that book. I'm going to teach you to actually l- learn the person that's sitting in front of you and Mm -hmm. create goals that actually apply to their life. And, uh, but I, I I just rejected those again, you know, uh, group indexing treatment planners, because that's what they were. Right. And it may not have any, any, those 20 goals may not have anything to do with what this person, you know, in front of you is, even though they have the quote unquote, same disorder.
1: That's what I want in my, personally my my partners, my consultants, my coaches my, my doctors is a diagnostic level of understanding mm-hmm. meaning like I want you to be able to diagnose me as a human my doctor I'll use her as an example again she's great though she's like, yeah, I have one patient that does this as I was like, cool do that for me she's not that won't work for you because of your personality I'm like, okay, cool, <laughs> like the fact that you know my the weird little things that like irritate me or you know I won't do it if it's too complicated or like she knows that about me Mm -hmm. and the uh the the prescription is built based on i do the same thing it's like uh, you have to know the personality you have to know that this is going to stress you out and you being stressed out is actually going to make you sicker than the you know than you are right now so Mm -hmm. um weird weird question have you do you have or have you read uh the dsm5
0: yeah absolutely i'm 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 supposed to know that um front to back,
1: so again, weird, um picked it up, I don't remember why I picked it up, and that's that's the most recent thing that I've read, yeah uh, it's thick, it's interesting, um, pretty you know, pretty much validates that I'm somewhere on the spectrum, but
0: um <laughs> we all are
1: f- f- yeah for now I'm gonna read, I just I didn't realize for some reason here didn't your background
0: didn't connect, yeah or I would yep. have uh,
1: yep, Sitting on my desk at home it's uh, a. <laughs>
0: Nice and you got the purple one. Yep, yeah. big purple one. Yeah, I bought it. I bought it on my phone through the app because when they update it, they'll update the app for free.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I got it from Amazon. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, I don't know, I don't remember why. I was like, oh, I want to read that.
0: Um, but it's yeah, interesting,
1: the, it's just like, uh, when I entered yeah, the field... Kind of,
0: when I entered the field in psychology, I graduated undergraduate in 99 and it was the DSM four back then. And they kept talking about how the DSM five was about ready to be released. Well, the DSM five didn't get released till 2008 or something like that. <laughs> um, and we were all waiting, you know, for, you know, better part of a decade for the DSM five to be released. And, uh, it's pretty controversial. Um, the DSM five, there's a lot of, a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists that kind of created their own uh, professional organizations because of it. France totally abandoned it. They don't use it.
1: Um, it's interesting. It didn't seem, I, I, I guess I don't have, you probably have to see the previous ones to to understand. I, I would just, I just kind of read through it. Yeah. This is, this makes well, they, sense to me. Yeah.
0: One of the things they did was they they pathologized grief. And, uh, you know, after you, you, you lose a, a loved one, um, and they put a, you know, if you're still experiencing problematic symptoms past six months well then that's a disorder you have you have a grief disorder and so um that was just one of several of the changes that came in that people really um were up in arms uh, professionally about
1: yeah see without without formal training to me i just that was new. that's new information to me i'm like oh cool yeah um that's the benefit of not being an expert well, is can, like
0: I don't get I'm now part you. of your your smart people collection. Anything you need to know about
1: the DSM, you don't have to worry about it now. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Cause it's um you, you read you read by daily emails, at least some of them, mm-hmm. and, and like you get to see sometimes I go really heavy on it. I know people who sometimes read my emails are like, I think this makes sense, but I don't like these words are big. Um <laughs> but you can, you can always tell when I'm kind of on a kick, like when I was reading DSM five, I baked in a lot of, uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of just the uh, uh, like the patterns of, of disordered eating. Mm -hmm. I I talk about that a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
0: And DSM is, you know, I was just talking about this on a, on a podcast I recorded yesterday uh, with, with Tim box and about how, and I'll, this is one of the things that is on my soapbox for sure. Talk about a rant that I could go on, but um, the the DSM is not like a a physician's desk reference. Uh, meaning, if you break your arm, you you know you lock up for the night and trip on the curb and fall down and, and and hurt your arm, you go get it checked out. You know they may say yeah the arm looks broken and they'll give you an X ray and they'll say yep your arm is broken. Well, and based on that diagnosis, we we pretty much know what the treatment's going to be. All right? You're going to get a cast. It's going to be on for so many weeks. You're going to get the cast off. You're going to have to do some physical therapy and we pretty much know how that's going to look barring, you know, different types of injuries that could occur. That's not how the DSM works as you probably as you're reading through it. <clears throat> you're frozen on my end.
1: Yeah, it's it, that's the uh... I imagine medicine, medicine is always controversial anyway. Right. Uh, but anything in the, in the you know, psychiatric domain is like, it's just so difficult to get evidence of anything. Right. It seems very subjective. Yes. In terms of like, Oh, no, nope, that person's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so can it's you show like me the x-ray of, of the craziness.
0: Right. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the DSM, It's we call it, it's a categorical diagnosis or a menu diagnosis. Meaning, you know, if you look at any of those disorders and you looked at the the eating disordered ones, right? Um, you know, in order to qualify for this diagnosis, you have to have, you know, three out of the following nine symptoms. Well, why is that? Why can't we just say it's these three symptoms or these four symptoms? And it's because the, the evidence doesn't support that type of a criteria and when they bring the people in the room for each of the disorders that's how it's done you know they uh, they bring all of the experts in the field of disordered eating and they bring them in the room and they say here's our proposal for uh, what an eating disorder diagnosis is going to be uh, we need you all to agree on it <laughs> right they they don't let them leave the room until they agree so it's almost like trying to give a a verdict you know at, at a jury right
1: yeah. yeah it's crazy and I just remember and again I, I know no uh, technical training right so going through like uh, like autistic spectrum disorder mm-hmm. stuff and yep. it's just like again I, I don't know how some of the stuff is defined but I'm like, okay yeah yeah oh, everybody's autistic right like <laughs> right because <laughs> I, I don't know what yeah. what constitutes like yeah. this you know officially being yeah. um, clinical, you know, this behavior, like, it's like, cool. We all act kind of stupid sometimes.
0: Um, I'll, I'll answer that for you. What makes it clinical is that the, the symptom or the disorder has to cause problems in more than one domain of your life.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember that. I remember that a long time ago, I went to the doctor for uh, depression and that was the right. He goes, yeah, I don't think you're depressed because you check No, it doesn't affect your life, but that still seems subjective, right? right? Like it still seems like, I don't know i'm a f an entrepreneur like my life is a shit show all the time what do you mean is it right. affecting my life like yeah. I don't know do you have good relationships like I have no idea Bare what does go, a good relationship look like you know so yeah. it's, it that's the whole uh sure. th- that's why it's so interesting to me because yeah. It seems like we could kind of fudge things a little bit and everybody would just have all these mental disorders.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that is the problem. Right. And there's actually some some stats to verify that, that, of course, of a human life, 80 percent of the population. Here goes some group indexing. Right. 80 percent of the population Mm -hmm. uh, will qualify for at least one uh, major mental illness in the course of their life. Um, high percentage of college students you know qualify for some type of um substance abuse <laughs> disorder so
1: yeah yeah it's fascinating it's yeah. it's uh it's it just uh that's kind of stuff that i i like to yeah tinker with i'll read something like that and then i'll like uh, read dr seuss for a couple months yeah i'll come back to something dense again yeah. but, but um but not dr phil No, never, never. Dr. Phil, (laughs) Nick, I
0: obviously was attracted to you because of the things that you put out there about how to build business, how to attract clients, how to take care of clients. Uh, I remember I was again, really moved by your, your garden hose bucket analogy that you use, you know, where, uh, we're, we're not doing a good job of, of taking care of our customers through our process. Um, that's how, uh, I learned to appreciate who you are and what you do. Uh, My audience is full of people who are trying to take that next step. There are uh, entrepreneurs at various levels and Nick, I want you to tell us, tell me, tell the audience, um, how it is that they could connect with you if they have uh, something that uh, you might be able to help them with in terms of business building and whatnot, where can they find you?
1: Easiest way. Um, and again, I the, the same, same way we connected, right? Is like if, if you're really interested in something, somebody really stands out, you're coming to the world, you'll shoot them a private message, you, you'll find a way. That's how all the useful stuff that's mm-hmm. happened happens. Um, so I'm just going to encourage you to find me. Uh, go to my website, Google. Um, not gonna not going to throw you to an opt-in or anything because I can tell you what, you're just going to get a bunch of follow-up emails um, from me trying to sell you stuff. <laughs> but what you should do right now if you're listening is uh pull out your phone i'm assuming you're probably listening on a phone uh screenshot this episode post it to instagram stories tag me nick peterson 23 and uh, do you have an instagram
0: i do it's uh the underscore upgraded life
1: the underscore upgraded life Um, so screenshot it post it to your stories tag us both and uh if you do that i'll just reach out and say hi and see if i can help you with anything
0: yeah Love it. Love it. Nick, I appreciate your time. I appreciate this conversation this back and forth around people getting in their own way and what it looks like to maybe get out of your um, own way and the conversation that we have about group versus individual indexing. It was fun for me. Hopefully it was fun for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Was always a ple- I would say always a pleasure it was the first time so right. it was a pleasure
0: <laughs> well we're going to have time two and three and then uh, it will continue to be a pleasure thank Absolutely. you so much my friend I, I'm grateful yeah. likewise you know when I do these podcasts you know ultimately I have a goal of putting out content putting out shows that my audience can learn and benefit from but I got to tell you uh, this was a selfish one I have been following Nick Peterson I have bought a handful of programs that he has had out there i've I've bought and read his book and i read it often Uh, he's got a couple different books and ebooks out there that are are available and let me tell you when he asked for uh, folks that might be interested in having him on their podcast i jumped at it and that's how i was able to land him so i did this one for me and i really enjoyed it and okay i hope that you my audience also enjoyed it but here's the thing if you really got something from Nick and what he had to offer and just the way that he goes about looking at problems and decisions and business decisions, uh, look him up, connect with him, reach out to him. He is Pretty generous with his time, and he does respond to his messages. He does respond to his emails. And if you're lucky, you might be able to even get on a phone call with him. So, if you're an entrepreneur at any stage in the game, if you are a fledgling entrepreneur, if you have an idea for building a business, or if you have a business that's in progress, I, I couldn't point you to a better person than Nick Peterson to help you either get started or to level up in whatever that you're doing business-wise. Uh, and if he can't help you, he, he definitely has a network of people that can't, remember? He says that what he does is collects smart people. And I know his collection runs uh, far and wide and, and deep. So. Look him up if that's something that you feel like you need to do in order to upgrade your life, upgrade your business, upgrade your mindset around decision making. Nick's going to be your man. As always, you can find the links that he shared to how to connect with him in my show notes. Hey, as always, to get the details on this show and to find out more about this guest, head over to my website. My website is www.nicksotello.com forward slash T-U-L podcast, The Upgraded Life Podcast. While you're over at my website, don't forget to check out the three opportunity buttons at the very top. They are scheduling a time with me. I'll give you a free 30-minute strategy session. Checking out CBD products from Nature's Ultra. And then also, if you're looking to create an additional stream of income, I can help you out with that too. This takes 20 minutes of your time. Click on the button that says Income Boost. Give me your name and email, and I'll send you a presentation. Thank you again so much for listening to my show, The Upgraded Life Podcast. I'm dedicated to this show because I've seen too many people live a life that just really wasn't about realizing and reaching their potential. So if you listen to this show and you were somehow, some way inspired to take action, let me know by going over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a five-star review, and that will tell me that you enjoyed the show. This is Dr. Nick Sotello, and I'm urging you to do something today to realize and reach your potential, and I'll catch you on the next show.